What's up, Fusion? How you guys feeling? I need some energy. How you guys feeling? There we go. I missed you guys. I was gone last week. Nobody missed me. Okay, all right. I see you. I missed you guys. I was gone last week. Thank you. Somebody cared. It's all good. I know that uh, Pastor Israel, he delivered an amazing message last week. And I know that he looks enough like me to where you guys didn't even realize that I was gone. No, I, he really delivered an amazing message. If you have not heard that message, it's called Velvet and Steel. And he, it's on the podcast. It's on the Victory ATL website or the Fusion ATL website, which is connected to the Victory ATL website. If you're not aware, Fusion, we are the young adult ministry of Victory World Church. Who in here goes to Victory? Yeah! I love this church. I started at this church in 2013. Just showed up because my sister invited me. My sister is over here. There we go. My sister's sitting here on the front row. She's one of our leaders here. And she invited me to victory at a really pivotal time in my life. I've told you guys uh, part of the story before. Today I want to talk about what led up to that point in my life. So I want to talk about my college days a little bit. Uh, high school and college, I've told you guys before a little bit of the story, but in short, I was just really flaky when it came to God. I grew up in the church, and I was always fascinated by God. I wasn't always committed to God. And so I was fascinated by God, and so I would read the Bible. I always found the Bible to be fascinating. So I would read it, and I'd go through seasons of reading it all the time, and then I would just flake. I'd get caught up with my friends and the people around me. I didn't have a youth group that I was going to or a young adult ministry that I was going to. I didn't have anything like that. And so a lot of it was just me trying to pursue God on my own, and it would last for like a few weeks, a month, a few months, and I was just flaky. I'd be back and forth when it came to God all the time, leading up to in my college days especially, I started out college thinking, I think I want to pursue theology. I really enjoy studying the Bible. I'm going to study theology. Note to anybody going to college, it, when you choose a school, make sure they have the major <laughs> that you want to pursue. That is wisdom from experience. Because I chose a school without even really thinking about my major. I don't know what I was thinking back then, but I chose a school, went there, and then I was like, you know what? I really enjoy studying the Bible, so let me study theology. I go to my counselor, and he's like, we don't offer theology, so <laughs> pick something else. All right, so I just am studying the Bible in my room all the time to the point that I actually enjoyed studying the Bible, studying the Word of God more than I liked school because I was never a huge fan of school. I like studying, but I don't like studying stuff that I didn't want to study. Does anybody understand that? Can anybody relate with that? Like, I will study, but when you just assign it to me and it's not something that I'm interested in, yeah, see, you guys feel me. So I'm studying the Bible 
at that point, I don't advise you to be this way, but for a while I was studying the Bible more than I was studying my schoolwork. Fascinated with God. At that time, it's my freshman year. I'm in one of those uh, dorms. It's like the, you know, the four-bedroom apartment, and I have three roommates, and they're all different, but they all party. And so they're inviting me to parties all the time, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm good, not interested, living for Jesus, thank you. <laughs> and I had a group of friends when I first got to college that were actually Christians, and then it was just like one by one, they started getting picked off like a sin sniper <laughs> was just grabbing them like, boom, took that friend out, he's with this girl. Took that friend out, he's with this girl. It was always a girl. And I'm sure with girls, it was always a guy. When, it, especially in college, when one of your friends got pulled out of the circle. And so next thing I know, my friends are all getting picked off. And I'm over here like I'm standing strong. I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to break. It's me and Jesus. I'm studying this Bible. He probably wants me to do my homework, but I'm not doing that a lot. I had room for growth, okay? So after a while, you say no to this party. You say no to that party. You say no to this party. You say no to that party. You say no to like 76 parties. And then it was one night. It was like our homecoming night. This was our, our yeah, you know how homecoming goes. You know how homecoming goes. So I said no to like 76, maybe 77 parties. And then I wasn't really counting. But after a while, I said yes to one. Like, all right, because my roommates, my friends, they're like, come on, come on, you got to go. You just got to go to one. Just go to one. Come to a party. Come to a party. I'm like, all right. So I go. I get in there. And I'm like, this is weird. First of all, it wasn't lit at first, right? So I get in there. We got there kind of earlier than we should have. You guys know how that works. We got there earlier than we should have. It really wasn't all that fun yet. And I'm like, I don't really feel like I was missing anything. There was somebody, like, dancing in the corner and <laughs> just, just like, this is what you guys do here? So I'm at this party, and long story short, I stayed at the party. And then the rest of my college career is, like, blackout from there. <laughs> <laughs> went to all the parties after that. <laughs> and that's how quickly it happened. And in that process, it was, it was a couple things that really took me away from my pursuit of God. And one was I started sinning. So that obviously will take you away from your pursuit of God. You start sinning, you start enjoying your sin. It's like, oh, this is, this is pretty comfortable. And then, but what I had to do was get to a place where I became comfortable in the sin, because anybody in here, if you've, if you've walked with Jesus, if you've pursued Jesus, you know that he's real. And so when you have a relationship with him and you're cultivating a relationship, when you start stepping away, there's this, there's this thing that happens on the inside. It's called conviction. And that's what I started feeling at the party, just like uncomfortable. I've had that feeling a couple times, uh, and I ignored it. And so I'm just in there chilling, and as I'm pursuing this life away from Jesus, just drifting, 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 the conviction 
starts dying down. I, I start making new friends, new friends with different worldviews and different questions who were saying, I have, you know, one of my good friends was Muslim, and he'd have all these, we'd have these conversations. And it got to the point where I was having conversations with him, like from a Christian standpoint, but not doing life with Jesus at all. And so I got to the point where I had been desensitized. The scripture talks about sin will sear your conscience to the point that you're just numb to it. So then I'm like over here away from Jesus and still having to have these, still trying to have conversations and dialoguing as if I understand Jesus' perspective when I'm completely disconnected from him. And so what that put me in was a, a state of mind where I was just deceived. And in my mind, I had stepped like all the way into just living in sin. And in my mind, I'm still like, I'm saved. Has anybody ever experienced that? Where you just in sin, but in the back of your mind, you're like, well, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, I will be saved. But if you continue reading the rest of the Bible, you can come to the actual truth. Not just an idea, not just an answer, but the truth. And so we're starting a new series tonight. And the series is called Reveal. And it's about the truth of God and how God reveals truth to us as we pursue it. And when you stop pursuing truth, you won't find it. And so we live in a generation of people who are looking for answers. You are all looking for answers. We are wired to look for answers. We have everybody looking for answers, but very few people looking for the truth. We're looking for answers that will satisfy us. We're looking for answers that will make us feel good. And then when we get to one that we feel like makes sense, that aligns with our worldview, that aligns with what we think is good, many times we'll stop there and say, satisfied, I'm going to go this direction. And so I want to take it to the Bible tonight. In Romans eleven thirty three through 36, Paul says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. So everything on this planet comes from God, exists by his power, and is intended for his glory. That's where we find the truth about everything in life. I got so far down this rabbit trail of doing what I wanted to do that I stopped 
pursuing the truth. I got to a place where I was not feeling guilty about being away from God, and yet in this state of deception that I'm still good with God, and so then it stopped my pursuit of truth. And I talk to so many people all the time who have questions about God, questions about Christianity, questions about the truth in life, and they'll start somewhere, and if we just keep following that line of reasoning, it's self-evident that it doesn't make sense. And so for me, if somebody would have approached me with the actual truth of Christ and the actual rest of the Bible, aside from if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved, and talked about all the other scriptures where Jesus himself talks about people continually living in sin and how he'll say, depart from him. He never knew them. If somebody would have approached me with that, they could have realigned my focus. But I'm not going to put it on other people. If I would have continued to pursue the truth in life, I wouldn't have lived in a state of deception. After Paul says that, he goes on and says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So he starts off saying, who knows enough to give God advice? Who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who can know the Lord's thoughts? Then he goes on and says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions. Stop copying the behaviors and customs of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed. Allow God to transform you by changing the way that you think. And this will empower you to discern God's will. So there are so many people walking around in life saying, oh, I think this is good. So then I think God thinks this is good too. I think this makes sense. So therefore, God must be this way. But the Bible, the truth says that you can't understand God's thoughts. You have to be transformed inwardly. He has to completely reform the way that you think, and then you will be able to discern what he wants. And this is so important for our generation, for our culture, for our age group, for fusion in particular. Because if you, whether you claim to be a believer or not, if you don't claim to be a believer, your decision whether or not to pursue the truth, your life depends on it. As a Christian, your decision of whether or not to pursue the truth, not only does your life depend, it, but other, depend on it, but other people's lives depend on it. You cannot accurately represent Jesus Christ without actively pursuing the truth. Because God 
reveals the truth as we pursue it. You want to know how I, how I found that? Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Promise from God. Pursuit, as we're talking about it, is to look for wholeheartedly. To look wholeheartedly. I can honestly say that in the time that I was completely pulled away from God, I wasn't pursuing God wholeheartedly. I wasn't pursuing the truth wholeheartedly. I started pursuing him, and then I started pursuing my own desires. And nothing is more dangerous to your pursuit of the truth, nothing is more dangerous to your pursuit of God than the pursuit of your own desires. And they cannot inhabit the same place. You cannot pursue the truth and pursue your own desires because your own desires inevitably create a bias for you. And that's how we get all these offshoots of Christianity. That's how we get all this inspirational gospel where the messages are catered to just inspire you and motivate you and make you feel better, but not be constructive for your life. Because in order to be constructive, there has to be correction. How many of you guys are perfect? Oh, no? Neither am I. That means every single one of us needs correction at some point. But that comes as we pursue it. Truth, many times, will not find you. Answers will find you. But you find the truth as you pursue it. So you can find idols. You can find all these different plans and purposes for your life, and they'll just present themselves to you. Hey, want to be an Instagram model? Hey, want to be a rapper? Not condemning any of those pursuits, but these are pursuits that find you, present themselves to you, and if you are not in pursuit of the truth, you'll settle if that's not for you. There are some people who their truth, the plan, the purpose for their lives is found in being a musician, might be found in being a rapper. However, that is an opportunity that will present itself to about a million people and only be meant for like two. But if you're not pursuing the truth, if you're just settling for whatever presents itself in front of you, for some of you, I said Instagram model to be funny, but the reality is some of you guys' answers have presented themselves in the form of suggestions from your parents. Answers have presented themselves in the form of be a doctor, be an engineer, do all these things to conform to the culture you're in and be successful according to the terms of the culture you're in. But that might not be God's plan for your life. It might be, but you have to pursue the truth. Don't just settle for the answers that present themselves to you. Pursue the truth because God will reveal the truth as you pursue it. God will reveal himself to you as you pursue him. If you are pursuing God with everything that you have, you will find him. If you want to know why you have not found God, 
it's because you have not been pursuing him with everything that you have. You may have been saying, God, if you're real, show up. God, if you're real, do this. God, if you're real, do that. That's not a pursuit. That's a challenge. And so many of us challenge God instead of pursuing him. How many of you want strangers to come up to you and challenge you to prove who you are? Oh, you're a doctor? Prove it. If you're a doctor, I have this pain in my knee. Solve it. But how many of us do God that way? If you're real, do this. If you're real, do that. If you're real, speak to me this way. We're not pursuing God. And that's the scary part for me in my own life about how I was behaving and going about life then is I, I felt like if I went in front of Jesus, it would be like a, it wouldn't be like a, I'm proud of you, but it wouldn't be a depart from me. It would be like a, bro, you could have done better. Come on, come on, come on in. That's kind of what I viewed. Like worst case scenario, I just get in by the skin of my teeth and Jesus and I, we make up. We get to know each other in eternity, and we're good. <laughs> That's what I thought. And I was deceived into thinking that pursuing good things, doing good things, was pleasing to God. Doing good according to me was pleasing to God. That wasn't the case. You have to pursue the truth in order to find it. So why should we pursue the truth? In John 8.32, Jesus said to his disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they're like, what? We're descendants, excuse me, Jesus. <laughs> I don't think you know who you're talking to, Jesus. We're descendants of Abraham, all right? We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? We're not in bondage. We're good. We're fine. What do we need freedom from? I think you got the wrong ones, Jesus. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. So why do we need to pursue the truth? Why should we pursue the truth? The truth will set you free. Wherever the truth is absent, bondage is present. Wherever the truth is absent, particularly the truth of God, because it's God's word that is the truth. Everything comes from him, exists by his power, and is intended for his glory. Everything, not some things, not just things in the church, everything comes from God, exists by his power. That means you 
come from God. You exist by his power. And you are intended, there's an intent behind your creation. There is an intent behind the creation of everything that God created. It comes from him. It exists by his power. That is how it's sustained. And it is intended for his glory. That is the truth. The truth will set you free because wherever there is an absence of the truth, bondage is present. Jesus says, whoever sins is a slave to sin. So what does the truth set us free from? Number one is sin. Our culture does not want anything defined as sin. The term sin is offensive. When's the last time you told somebody they were in sin? That's not comfortable. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to say that. It's like, that's not good for you, bro. That's not beneficial for you. This is what we like to hear. But you still have a choice. That's not the best for you. Jesus says, you're in sin when you disobey what he says. But the intent behind everything is good. That's the good news. Everything that Jesus has to say is good news. And when we have that perspective, we're able to receive it in the way that it's supposed to be received. It's good news. Stepping away from God, who you come from, who you exist by, and who you're intended for is bad for you. That is called sin. And everyone who sins becomes a slave to sin. Has anybody found it difficult to stop doing what you don't want to do? I'll tell you what I don't want to do. Well, yeah, it depends on whether you want to do it or not. I get that. Okay. So, has anybody found that it's difficult to stop doing what God tells you to not do? There we go. All right. Better words. It's difficult because we become addicted to our nature. We are born into sin because of the sin passed down from Adam and Eve. Every human being is born into a cycle of sin, and we become enslaved to it. And it's not until we find the truth, it's not until we find Jesus that we're even able to become free. These people were saying, we're not in bondage to anything. We have no awareness of a bondage. That's how I started feeling. Sin didn't feel bad for a while. It's fun for a while until you start seeing its negative effects, the negative impact it has on your life, and then you're like, all right, I'm going to stop doing that. And then the next day, you're back doing it. And then you're, you're continuing to do these things that you know are not beneficial for you. And you become enslaved to sin. The truth is, by nature, we are born into sin, and really we become passionately committed to our sin. Y'all are right out there, as Pastor Dennis would say. We become committed to it. 
And Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. So all that we get in exchange for a life built on a lie is death. All that we get in exchange for a life built on a lie, built on anything except for the truth of God's word, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. What we gain through the truth of Jesus is eternity with God. It's good news. Jesus came so that we could be free from this, but he did not want us to be ignorant of it. And I'm speaking to everybody tonight, believer or non-believer, this is an essential message because we live in a world that makes it easy to not pursue truth. We can get so busy with stuff. We get so busy with our job. We get so busy with our relationships. We get so busy with the other things that we are pursuing that we don't come to a knowledge of the most important things in life. And so then when it's time to actually take a stand for what Jesus wants, there are so many Christians who are wrong. And they're taking stands on social media. They're picketing and all these things and taking stands, joining movements that have nothing to do with the heart of God. Nothing to do with the will of God. But you get busy. You're not pursuing the truth. And really, you're trying to do right. You're trying to do good things in life. But if you're not intentionally pursuing the truth, you can just fall into deception. And so then when it comes to pivotal times like we're in right now in society where laws are being passed, where there's a lot going on in the political spectrum, when there's a lot going on just in society as a whole and people are becoming polarized, too many Christians don't know how to speak on issues, don't know where to stand on issues, and don't know how to represent Christ, the love of God, and the truth of God properly because we're not pursuing it. And so then you have people being misled all the time because we don't have truth to give them because we're not pursuing it. And we get caught up in our relationship. Oh, man, me and God are good. Yeah, me and God are good. Yeah, I prayed this morning. Yeah, I read, yeah, I read my Bible today. What did you learn from it? Did you, did you, did you gain any understanding of who God is? Are you able to communicate the heart, the character of God to somebody who doesn't know him? Do you know him? Are you pursuing the truth in life? I could have wasted my life on meaningless pursuits, squandered all of my potential by simply just going through life, going through the motions, not examining what I'm doing in life. God will reveal the truth as we pursue it. One of the things that the truth sets us free from is sin. The reality is that we gain eternal life through Jesus, through our pursuit of the truth. There is nothing more important. Our lifespan is maybe 100 years at the most here on earth, and then something happens afterwards. God says that eternity happens afterwards. Things keep going. 
and you spend eternity either in his presence with him because a relationship, you've been reconciled to him and you have relationship with him and that relationship continues into eternity or the separation that you are choosing here will continue into eternity. That's the truth of the life that we live. That's the truth of our existence. We come from God. We exist by his power and we are intended for his glory and he wants relationship with us. But we have a choice. And whether as a believer or as a non-believer, our pursuit of that truth is the most important thing that we could be doing here. If there's a truth, we have to be pursuing it. And everything around us, the Bible says that the evidence of God is all around us so that all men are without excuse. Look around. His divine power, his eternal nature, it's all evident. Look at the orderliness of the universe. How can something come from nothing? That can only, you can only believe that through deception. You don't see that anywhere else except when you want to do what you want to do, you will accept that answer. If I want to keep sleeping with my girl, I will accept that answer. If I want to keep doing what I want to do, I will accept a foolish answer. Y'all okay? It's the reality. I'm saying this. It's a strong message, but I want you to understand this because this has to be driving us in life. Our pursuit of the truth has to be driving us in life, and we have to be able to acknowledge what's directly in front of us. Something coming from nothing. That's what people's argument is all the time. There is no God. Look around. Look at your body. This came from nothing? How do we have thoughts, ideas? That comes from nothing, a random explosion? It comes from dirt? Where does dirt come from? Nothing? It doesn't make any sense. That's why scripture says that God's nature is evident. Just look around. But people have suppressed the truth through their, through their desire to do what they want to do. We can suppress the truth. The other thing that the truth sets us free from is the conditions that sin leaves us in. And this is why it's good news. Because when we separate from God, who we come from, who we exist by, and who we're intended for, when we separate from him, nothing good comes from it. Nothing good. Some fun for a temporary period of time, but nothing actually good comes from it. The first thing that we see in the garden when Adam and Eve sin is shame comes on them immediately. And that's one of the conditions that sin sets us free from. Before, uh, before Paul says the wages of sin is death, before he says that, he says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom. Then two chapters later, he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no shame for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this is written by Paul. Paul used to kill Christians. 
if anybody had a reason to feel condemned, if anybody had a reason to feel shame, it was Paul, the guy who's preaching the gospel after killing people for preaching the gospel. He was persecuting Christians. When Stephen was being stoned, the first martyr recorded, recorded in scripture, Paul was standing there and people were putting their coats at his feet. Like, oh, hey, hold my coat while I stone Stephen. That was Paul. And then he jumped on a horse riding to Damascus, another city, to go persecute Christians. And Jesus stops him in his tracks, appears, speaks to him, gives him this revelation. His whole life is changed. And then he starts to spend his life in the pursuit of Jesus. And this is the guy who says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Everything is paid for. Sin will have you in bondage. Sin will have you trapped. The wages of sin, all you get in exchange for sin is death. But here's the good news. Jesus Christ came, stepped out of heaven, paid the price with his life, took on the entire amount of the wrath of God because God didn't hold back because he's still just. He poured out the entire payment for sin, which is a gruesome, bloody death, shame, embarrassment, humiliation. He was on the cross naked. Jesus paid that price so that you could be free from sin. Sin has no control, no dominion over your life when you are in Christ. You have authority over the power of the enemy. You have authority over the sin in your life. You have authority over shame. You don't have to be ashamed. There is no condemnation when you are in Christ because he paid the price for it. Another thing that sin sets us free from, another condition that sin, that, sorry, not sin sets us free from, another condition that the truth will set us free from, anxiety. How many of you guys know somebody dealing with anxiety? You don't have to say it to you. And I say that as somebody who's dealt with it. I know what it feels like. Anxiety is crippling our generation. I was speaking to middle schoolers this past weekend, and I asked that same question. I said, how many of you guys know somebody dealing with anxiety? And way more of their hands went up than y'all. Sixth graders. I said, how many of you guys are dealing with anxiety? Way more of their hands went up than you guys. Sixth graders. It's crippling our generation, leading to depression, leading to suicidal thoughts because of the feeling that you can't escape it. It's just this sense of panic, of worry. But the truth, the truth, Philippians 4, 6, God says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So when I start feeling that overwhelming sense of worry or anxiety, I look at the truth. And the truth, God says that it's a choice. Or you can choose in this moment to not be anxious and gives the solution. Instead, in every situation, present your requests 
to God. But when you live a life separated from God, you don't have that option. And that's why the world is stuck in this cycle of anxiety. But through relationship with God, religion will never cure anxiety. Religion will never set you free from anxiety. Religion will never set you free from shame. Religion will never set you free from bondage. But the truth, the truth is that Jesus came so that he can have a relationship with you and so that you can have a relationship with him. And in that relationship with the living God, he gives you the truth that you can refuse to be anxious by instead acknowledging that he is in control. God, I can give this to you because you said I can. And so then I'm going to trust that you're in control. That whatever I'm worried about, I can actually place it in your hands. I can't do that if I have nobody to give it to. I can't do that if I think that everything is in my own power with the world telling you you're a God. Create your own future. Just think about stuff and it will be attractive to you and live your life that way. But these are the answers that we accept because it sounds good to us when we want to do what we want to do. And then that's how the trap happens because you're reeled in with that bait of like, oh, yeah, you can have this amazing life that you want. Oh, but it's going to come with shame. It's going to come with anxiety. It's going to come with depression. And you can't get free from that. Well, good luck. (laughs) But that's what we see many people experiencing. That's what we see the celebrities that people idolize experiencing all the time. And yet nobody's, nobody's viewing with compassion saying they don't have the answers. They don't have the truth. They've accepted an answer and pursued their own desires, and now they're melting down in front of everybody because of shame and anxiety and all these other conditions that sin and a life separated from the God that you come from, that you exist by and you're intended for, this is the result that a life separated from him brings, and then we go and pursue exactly what they are doing. And that's why the scripture says, do not imitate the ideals of the culture around you. Don't copy their behavior or their customs. Why? Because when you copy their equation, you inevitably copy their results. And all you get in exchange for living a life separated from God is death. However, the good news is that Jesus came. So that you could be reconciled to God, have eternal life and everything that he has intended for you, the purpose that he has intended for you, the impact that he has intended for you on this earth, the influence that he's intended for you is found in him. It comes from him, exists by him, and is intended for him. Another thing, depression. Another thing that's crippling our generation. Another thing that a ton of us are dealing with. Paul, he wrote the letter of Philippians about not being anxious. By the way, he wrote that from prison. As he was in prison for preaching the gospel, he wrote, don't be anxious from prison. 
the guy who was constantly being threatened by death, imprisonment, beating, said, don't be anxious about anything. So I might, you may not feel I'm qualified to tell you not to be anxious, but maybe you could listen to Paul, who was beaten, bloodied, imprisoned unfairly, unjustly, and ultimately gave his life for the gospel, ultimately was beheaded. Um, that's a guy who said, don't be anxious about anything. Same guy in the letter to the Corinthian church, he said, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So the guy who experienced all the discomfort you could experience on earth says, praise be to God, the God of all comfort, who comforts us no matter what we're going through. In Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. You don't have to be discouraged. The truth is that you can choose to put your faith in the God who you've come from, who you exist by, and who you're intended for. So what does it look like to pursue the truth? One, you do not pursue the wisdom of the culture around you. Simply put, spirituality in the form of humanism is invading our generation, this idea that you have everything that you need inside of you aside from God. It's a lie because it doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't set you free from anything. It puts you in a state of perpetual bondage. And then people call your addictions vices. And at the end of the day, people will cause the, call the thing that you're in bondage to good. The sin that you're addicted to, because everybody else is addicted to it, they just say it's normal and it's good and you should pursue that. And then you end up in this endless pursuit without being satisfied. That scripture says, who has known the mind of God? Who can know the thoughts of the Lord? Everything comes from God, exists by his power, and is intended for his glory. So the world, the culture around you, the people who did not create you, the people who do not know the mind of God do not have the answers for you. Jesus has the answers for you. Second thing, what does it look like to pursue the truth? You allow God to write his truth on a clean slate. Now that's one of the most difficult things. Because a lot of times we try to carry our own stuff, our own equations, along with us into this life of Christianity, into this life of following Jesus. We try to bring along our own ideas, our own opinions. In order to allow God to write his truth on a clean slate, you exchange the biases you have acquired from your upbringing. So that means you're down to exchange what your mom taught you if it doesn't align with the truth of God. You're down to exchange what the people you look up to have taught you if it doesn't align with the truth of God. You're down to exchange what your culture, what your country, what your religion has taught you if it does not align with the truth of 
the Bible. You exchange your own biases, your own idea of what's good. That's something that's invading our generation is this idea that we can determine what's good. That we just know within ourselves what's good so we don't need anything. Where did the idea of knowing what's good come from? If we don't come from anywhere, how can we trust this random assortment of thoughts and ideas? If you follow the line of reasoning, it doesn't make sense. If we have no source, if we have no God, if there is no absolute truth, then how can we trust our own moral reasoning? But God, everything comes from him, exists by his power, and is intended for his glory. And so we exchange our personal biases for his truth. Third, you study the Bible. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. You study the Bible. A lot of us read the Bible sometimes. A lot of us might read the Bible more than others. I want to challenge you to study the Bible. If you've started reading the Bible, I applaud you, I commend you, I encourage you to continue. But in order to pursue truth, we have to study. We study so many other things. We study the culture around us. We study what other people are doing around us. And we try to imitate and emulate what they're doing. And then when it comes to the Bible, the truth of God, the thing that's most important to our existence, a lot of times we read it here and there, but we don't study we don't understand. I mean, just so you guys know, the Bible is a, it's a book to the Jewish culture. I don't know if you guys have realized that the Bible is Jewish, ancient Jewish. So a lot of the things in there, you have to study the culture. You have to study the context to actually understand what's being said. You have to understand who's being spoken to. If you just pull a verse out of the Bible... You can easily misunderstand that. The pursuit of truth is about putting the work in, in short. We pursue the truth by not pursuing the wisdom of the culture around us. We allow God to write his truth on a clean slate, and we study the Bible. So as we close out tonight, I want us to be meditating on this, thinking about this, and Think about a truth-seeking system in your life. We need to set something in place as we agree to pursue the truth. We need an actual plan to do it. So as we are closing tonight, I want to give a few minutes. I want everybody to take out your phones. If you don't use the notes section in your phone, I would advise you to start doing that as you have ideas, as God reveals things to you, as you pursue him. But tonight, I want to advise you, I want you to think of one area in your life that you know you haven't been as intentional as you should be in pursuing the truth. It's not that you don't know any of the truth, it's not that you don't know any of it, but you know you haven't been intentional in pursuing the truth in that area. It might be your own personal convictions. And you've just kind of determined them on your own thinking that you 
would just align with God, that God is probably thinking along the same lines that you are, and so you determine your convictions based on what you think is good. If that's you, I would write down that the area that I wanna pursue truth in is my personal convictions. Actually pursue the truth of God in what I need to be doing, in what boundaries I need to set in my life, in what I need to be pursuing and focusing on in my life. Because conviction is to keep you on the right path and to always lead you to the truth and to lead you to an abundant life. It's not to condemn you. There is no condemnation in Christ. Maybe it's the area of relationships. Maybe you are just trying to feed this thirst that we were talking about in the last series. Maybe you've been trying to feed this thirst through relationships that you have not been actually pursuing God to see if this is for you. You haven't been pursuing the truth about relationships. Maybe you are in a relationship, maybe you are married and you haven't been pursuing the truth that you know you should be pursuing. Maybe you are a Christian and you read the Bible and you feel like you're doing everything right, but are you pursuing the truth of God in a way that is going to empower you to articulate it to people, to be able to be the light that he wants you to be, to be the salt that he wants you to be in situations? Are you impacting, are you influencing the people around you because you're pursuing the truth and can communicate it to people, to a lost world, to a dying world? Maybe you don't know Jesus. And maybe this message hits you in the gut a little bit. And you're realizing that you've been taking the most important thing in our existence casually. And you haven't taken the time to pursue who God is. And pursue the God who you've come from, who you exist by, and who you're intended for. I want you to write down the area for you that you know, it might not be any of the ones that I listed. I want you to write down the area that you know you can pursue the truth in more intentionally. And then I want you to write down one step that you can take, one thing that you can actually do immediately tomorrow, tonight, to intentionally start pursuing the truth because God will reveal the truth as you pursue it. God will reveal himself to you as you pursue him. He's a living God. He is a God who speaks. He said, if you pursue me, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So I want to give us two minutes. 